3: you
2: Basement dwellers, it's your good friend Patrick O'Dowd, welcoming you into another edition of Bandwagon Nerds here on the ChairShot Radio Network, a part of the ChairShot.com. Exciting day here on the bandwagon. Back after a brief hiatus is the Reverend Ray Cash on the bandwagon alongside the the studio, live studio audience, P.C. Tunney, and the lawyer himself, David Ungar. Of course, I'm the curmudgeon of the group, the Debbie Downer, ready to ruin the hopes and dreams of one Ray Cash when we talk about the uh, Shang-Chi trailer. So it's going to be a great show today, loaded show as usual. Welcome back, Ray. How, how, how's it going? How are you feeling back on the bandwagon?
1: First and foremost, good to be back. Good to be with my brothers again, number one. Number two, thank you guys for holding it down. Um, I feel... Holding it down. And I know this isn't my show. This is y'all's show, and I'm just a part of it. But I feel, because I'm on so much and I care about what I do so much, I feel bad that I had to step away for a while. So I'm appreciative of you guys allowing me the time to handle what I have to handle. So I appreciate that. Um, But I feel like that rookie... Who just got drafted and is about to play his first game all over again, and it's hilarious. I don't know why, because I talk to y'all every day.
2: Oh, so we sent you down to get some seasoning. We sent you down to to, to AAA. <laughs> I was in
1: AAA. <laughs> get, get a little, get a little. You're in G, G, G League. You're in G League. You sent me to Pawtucket. I'm in Pawtucket.
2: <laughs> I mean, if you're a Boston fan, but I, I don't a, know. All
1: God, the, AAA we we sent space, you, to, bro. send you, we send you I'll, to Springfield. It's I'm insane. a Rio Grande Valley. How about that? Since I live in Houston. Japan, How about
2: that? There you go. There you go. But uh, of course it's great to have you back. Uh glad to have you on the show. And you know, we'll uh it'll be like you never left. I don't I don't even know why, you know, you're talking like you feel like you're a rookie. You you've been on this show God for over a year at this point, right? Something like you, that.
1: You know, yeah, course. but you guys are you guys are so damn good at what you do. This this is I, I'm very proud of the shows I'm a part of. And all of us have our own separate shows, but this is my favorite show on on the entire network. So, like, it's, I have oh, to keep my game. Stop. I'm I'm just saying. I'm telling this, everybody no, who comes on, on the show says on, go that. Go ahead, keep going. Go go ahead. Go I'm ahead. just saying. Everybody who comes on the show says that this is my favorite this, show. This is my favorite show that has nerds in the title. <laughs> <laughs> no or, other show ever he, that has the word bandwagon is better.
2: I'm just gonna say, if you ain't first, you're last. So there you go. We are thrilled. We have a great show as usual in front of y'all. We are going to, of course, talk about Loki episode three halfway point already. We're going to go to the trailer park, a loaded trailer park this week, as uh, we got a late addition to what we already had on the uh, on the docket. And then we're going to just rant, we're, we're gonna wrap, wrap it up. Easy for me to say, my God, who's the rookie, Ray? See, who's the rookie? Even the even the seasoned vets have their moments. Uh, but we're going to take a little trip around the Nerdosphere. A bunch of just hodgepodge items here and there. Things that struck my fancy, tickled my fancy. Though I did pick the last topic just for you. So I hope... Yeah, look, you get a little clint there. Uh, I don't do that for Dave. Like Dave doesn't get that kind of treatment. I mean, this is the second time today you're hearing Dave and my voice. If you if you listen this morning as Dave and I previewed the Stanley Cup Finals with PC Tunney's Tampa Bay Lightning finishing the job heading into the you know the matchup against the quote-unquote team of fate in Montreal that ought to be exciting that series starts tonight Monday night should be good but we ain't here to talk about sports we're going to talk about nerd stuff and specifically we got a Marvel show to cover so we're going to hit the music and talk a little Loki. Okay. Well. Enchantress, anyone? Okay.
0: That's yeah, a- hell of a start, Pat. There you go. Yeah. So how about that show?
2: No, I just let it off with Enchantress, anyone? And all y'all did was shit all over. See, this is what happens. By the way, I meant to go on this rant before we even got into the business. How come whenever I'm gone, it's like... I, suddenly, I became the evil empire. Like, uh, the, my favorite quote from shows when Patrick O'Dowd isn't around is Well, Patrick O'Dowd probably wouldn't let us talk about this. Patrick <laughs> O'Dowd would disapprove of blah, blah. Patrick O'Dowd,
0: who who am I to you people? I Like, what? You really want us guys, to answer that?
4: Hey, no, you probably. guys, Patrick's here this week. Sit up straight. Oh, that's <laughs> from
0: a bad <battle. laughs> Uh, hey, uh, Battlingus? Anyone? I- I'm just, I'm just throwing that out there. You're
2: better. You're better than that, by the way. You are better. I listen to every
0: insipid second
2: of that. that.
0: Oh, we still need to trademark that, Pat. I'm just saying, man. That's a good bat-a-lingus, one. Yeah, I, man makes an offhanded
2: comment, it's turned into part of the show. Okay, so Sylvie is Enchantress.
0: Yeah, can we agree to that? But highly likely it would seem that way like you like like anybody listening to uh what was i don't know we talked about it on chair shot or maybe it was behind the scenes like you were saying they sure use the word enchant on awful lot in this episode for her not to be the enchantress
2: i know it was like a, like a big like hammer over the head just you use enchantment you use enchantment you use enchantment okay yeah we get it she's enchanting people and it's kind of the enchantress power set based on the comics. Like if you've, if you've ever followed along with, uh, with Thor and and that character is her, her manipulation uh, is all about just, you know, overpowering people's will. So to me, that was, that was kind of the big thing about this episode is they really just were going out of their way to establish Sylvie and her character and her power set. And I think it's interesting, and I guess I'll I'll turn this over to the group. Are we saying that she is a low key variant that is taking on her own identity, or is this a mistake by the TVA and it's been Enchantress all
1: along? Ray, jump back in, rookie. Thank you. i no, I'm an amateur, remember? Don't like no, don't right. mix You're with me. I'm amateur rookie. Um for the record, I took notes. That's I how nervous see. I was about show, the show. Um, So, to answer both questions, first and foremost, I think Sylvie is, as the MCU is one to do, a mixture of Lady Loki and Enchantress. I don't think she's one or the other. I think she's a perfect mix. To give reasons and answer your second point, she says herself, don't call me Loki. That was a long time ago. I've created a new identity. So yes, she is a Loki variant who has I guess been around longer than this Loki, which is crazy, cuz this Loki's been around for like 50, 5 10,000 years on his own right, but has chosen to leave that behind and create a new identity, which is probably where the enchantress part comes. Also, she said she taught herself how to enchant people, which I think is important because the enchantress was always always just had the power set. She taught herself. So I think that's those are kind of the two mixtures of the
0: two. Yeah, I can uh, I can get behind Ray's theory on this one that she's not. It, it's uh, C, I guess. Pat would be the option I'm looking for is C, that she exhibits all the signs of enchantress. She has the enchantress's power set. It's clear that she she is the enchantress. I don't think there's too much disputing that now. Whether she's also a female variant of Loki or um, another goddess of Asgard, who knows? But I would say right now it looks like I love, it,
2: the, way say, I love the way you
0: say Asgard, by the way. <laughs> Asgard, like, really? Yeah, Asgard. How do you pronounce it? Asgard, 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 Asgard. It's I'm
2: a little, I'm a little less accentuating on, on the, the ass, ass
0: part. Ass. Okay, that's that's fair. It's kind of <laughs> like battling, this. So I just don't go there, <laughs> but oh. I. I would say that she's probably a mix of the two. And, and, and I think, I think Ray's onto something there that you're going to get something along those lines. But yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting. Cause you know, this, this show, I haven't really decided yet whether this is a straight up lead into, yeah, she doesn't look that good, Ray, but I'm just saying nice picture. Uh, she, this show is like, to me, it's like, are we leading into uh, multiverse of madness or into the next Thor movie, which is what is it? Love and Rockets. Or love and thunder, love and thunder, love and thunder, thunder. Love, and thunder. Um, love and rockets is a record. I'm pretty sure, <laughs> but this seems to be leading more into a Thor sequel and less into multiverse and madness. Now that you've got Enchantress introduced, perhaps. But I, 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 I like Ray's theory that she's a mix because yeah, the MCU loves to do that. They love to take elements of the comics and and take elements of other things that you haven't thought of and say, here you go, you know, like. Thanos never flying around in a helicopter, Pat. You know, they, they never did that, so. You had to bring that up, huh? See, no, no. I got to I gotta, I gotta, I gotta pull back the curtain a little bit because Patrick knows this because I've talked talk to him about it. We all re- listen to podcasts differently. I can't listen. I like listening to Bandwagon Nerds and see how we do. I can't listen to a podcast while I'm working because I only retain parts of it. So I'll only listen to Bandwagon Nerds like when I'm driving around or something, which was great, before the pandemic, because I would go to Fresno once a week and get through the episode. Now, I'm literally at episode 53, the Star Wars showdown, which is Jeez. which is really good, by the way, guys. <laughs> it's really good, by the yeah. way. And I wasn't even talking about the most powerful car- character in the Star Wars universe at that point. Like we weren't, we weren't even there. Yet. No, but you were of the opinion that Rise of Skywalker is trash. So drink. You know?
2: Still trash. Yeah. It's never stopped being trash. But we're not here to talk about Rise of Skywalker it's interesting. This episode was interesting to me because it, it didn't feel like a lot really happened. Am I wrong on that? Like you know, they're on this apocalyptic world. They're, they're, they're sort of establishing Sylvie's character, which they need to do. There's no, there's no real appearance by the TVA, just a very brief glimpse when they, when they pass through like one gate, they spend most of their time on this planet that is doomed and, you know, we, we get left off with them being stuck. I'm assuming Owen Wilson and company is going to somehow come in next episode to kind of get them out of this. But I guess I was. It was weird because it just felt kind of slow to me. And I don't know if there were other. what I mean, Ray, you said you took notes. Yes. What, what did you pull out of this episode? Because. You know, I think a lot of people, and we'll, we'll talk about kind of the the piece of this episode that's making news, but for me, it wasn't a really gangbuster episode. It was kind of a running in place episode other than outside of building Sylvie.
1: So let's think about it in context. If we look at Falcon and the Winter Soldier, that world was already established for us. They just added to it. Sure. If you look at WandaVision, that world was already established for us. They just added to it. Now, they, now, the her losing her mind and creating that stuff was a whole different package, but we knew, ultimately, she had the power to do stuff like that. Everything about this Loki show is brand new. We've never seen the TVA. We've never seen half of the characters on the show. We never knew what a variant was. We never knew any of this stuff. So there's going to be points on in this six-episode miniseries where there's going to have to be 100% world-building. So uh, much like the first episode, I heard you talk about. By the way, you guys have been excellent the past few weeks. But so some people thought it was either split. the truth. Some people thought it was fantastic. Some people thought it was terrible because they had to build a whole world in forty-five minutes. So this one was explaining the difference between Loki and Sylvie, explaining who Sylvie was, which is integral to the to the rest of the show. Clearly, explaining. That and I don't know if I'm getting to this before you wanted to, but that everybody in the TVA were actually variants, which is a huge no, enough, revelation. Yeah, that's yes. a huge revelation. So there, and then the thing you guys didn't talk about last week was there is something to the fact that there's so many damn apocalypses in mm-hmm. the in the upcoming 60 years. I don't I don't think that's a misnomer. I think there's something to that that may explore itself further on in the. Further down the line, in Phase Four or Phase Five, but so all of this stuff, much like in some of the other series, you have to. We have to get this so that when this episode happens, and that episode happens, and that episode happens, we understand what's happening. Because, like you said, I'm fully explaining the TVA. I'm fully expecting the TVA and um, Mobius and Google and about the Ross character. I don't remember who she is. The judge to come. Guns are blazing to save them, and then something happens. We still got to meet the town. I don't
2: think save is the right word
1: there, but yeah. Well, I mean, it's either die or not die. So, (laughs) you know, not die is closer to save than anything else. But uh, no, I feel like this episode was definitely lower on the scale of, of intrigue. Like, there wasn't a lot of things to pop you, right? But it's also a cool visual to see a moon crash into a into a planet like we haven't seen that before so i mean thanos-, <laughs> thanos destroyed the moon and then like hit people with it that's different sorry go ahead tony
4: a couple of things dave one i think just to make sure you you know to get that straight in your head it's actually the tagline from Frankenhooker hooker 3 loving rockets so that's where that comes from of um course. I, feel two, better now. I think the, one of the most important things we learned is that not everybody was, the people at the TVA weren't created by the TVA. They're all variants as well, right? So that could play a big part into what's going to be happening with all of them moving forward. I think the whole thing was just building that relationship between Sylvie and Loki, right? That's what this one was about. Now, how do we know that, what was the time portal thing, device called that he had that they needed to to charge? The the temporal pad, the Tempad? pad. okay. How do we know that that was actually the temp pad that he brought out and showed it chatter? How, like he could easily has the magic to show her that was that. And now it's about to come. And last second, he's like, Oh, time to go. Boop. And he just used all that time to get as much out of her as he could.
2: I mean, yeah, that's definitely a possibility with Loki being a trickster. Uh, you just know that the first five minutes of the next episode is going to be getting them off of that planet. Right.
4: <laughs> I'm just saying, what a better way, though, for oh, him to actually get information he's trying to get right. than someone to believe that, well, it doesn't really matter. I can tell you everything now right. because are uh, not in our favor.
1: And, and conventional wisdom would tell you that nobody would do that. But then Loki has shown you he's crazy enough to do that shit.
2: Right. So let's get to this other reveal that you, both you and Ray have talked about, Tony. And I'm sure Dave's got some thoughts on it, too, because we learn That, yes, the people running the TVA are not themselves created by these timekeepers, as we've been led to believe, but that they are variants that seem to have had their memories wiped entirely and are now serving a function. And we learn this because Sylvie talks about the woman that she's been manipulating to try and get to the authorities. What it immediately did for me and then i'll I'll hand over to dave to kick off the rest of this discussion is that it immediately puts into question the power of the powers that be right how how powerful are they really what are these variants is this some sort of an illusion all within its own right that we that we are not paying attention to to where they're not really all they say they are because, you know, the power of creation is a, is, a, is a huge thing to pluck people out of time and wipe their memories and call them variants. That's a little more manipulation and a lot less, you know, omniscient and all powerful. Dave, your thoughts?
0: Well, it raises a question to me as to why some variants get put in a place of authority and then others are just reset you know, that just get disintegrated right on the spot. So like, what's the protocol for that? Uh, you know, yeah. The, who are these timekeepers? You know, who are, are, are they really godlike creatures, or Are they just things fucking with things, you know, which, which is a, as good an option as anything right now. Um, I've heard some interesting theories and some interesting thoughts around the nerdosphere as far as the TVA, uh, one that, oh, kind of,
2: let me guess, let me, uh, let me guess. Mephisto.
0: no, no, actually, no. Um, I've heard that a theory that the uh, TVA is located in the quantum realm, which mm-hmm. is an interesting thought, could be. Uh, I, yeah, it's, it's, it's hard to figure out, you know, when they divulge that as to, okay, what exactly is going on here? And it's clear that Sylvie or whoever she was wants to overthrow the timekeepers just like Loki does and knows where they are. Knows where the elevator is. Extracted that information using her enchantress powers, which was very, that opening scene felt like the Matrix to me, where where, where Cypher's in there talking about the stake and that sort of thing, and that felt very Matrix-like. Um, it's It's really hard to tell exactly what is going on with the TVA as to what really they are entity-wise, as to... are are, are, i mean yeah i mean whether it's the quantum realm or not you got to stop and think and say well where is the tva located i mean are they in another dimension are they out in the cosmic realm are they hanging out with the scrolls maybe they could all be scrolls ray they could all be scrolls oh
2: god you'll be looking for scrolls everywhere ray i'm with you by the way that people are going to be just looking for scrolls every step of the way every turn Kind of like looking for you know a dragon where there isn't one, but uh, I mean it, it was literally head, a dragon.
1: Matt? It may not be the same more dragon, but it literally later. was a dragon. more, more on that later.
0: More on that. But I will say, I think I think Tunny was right that a lot of this episode was establishing the relationship between Loki and the Enchantress or Sylvia or whatever yeah, you want to I, call her. But he may, and he may he may also be right that Loki's just gaming her, or they're gaming each other because there is it's hard to tell watching that episode as to what are sincere moments and what isn't. And that's one of the brilliant parts about this episode is you're never sure what's bullshit and what's heartfelt. And I love that about this episode that you just don't get, you know, they are playing each other in every way possible and trying to do that to get the be- maximum advantage over the other. And it's great because you just don't know what's real and what's not. And I think that's the unique thing about this show that differentiates it from WandaVision. And Falcon and Winter Soldier. Well, Falcon and Winter Soldier for sure. WandaVision was kind of like, you know, what the fuck is real and what's not? Um, but so, I, I do love the relationship between those two that was developed here.
2: Right. And I think WandaVision and Loki here are kind of in one sort of realm of comic sure. book verse. And, you know, Falcon and the Winter Soldier, Captain America and the Winter Soldier is a completely different piece of that. Like that grounded in reality street level stuff. that We always talk about
0: it was on this show that we talked about, like before the pandemic, when we looked at the the slate of movies that were coming out, they seem to be alternating between cosmic street level, cosmic street level. And they're mimicking that here.
2: That's very, I think that's a very apropos way to look at that. Um, right. So outside of, outside of that, other, uh, I guess for me, I didn't really take a lot away from this outside of what we've already hit on. Were there other sort of revelations, other things that that stood out to y'all? Before I go to the one piece of news that I do want to talk about, that came out in the wake of this episode.
1: Uh, if, if I may, can I read some of the notes I wrote? Sure. Um, it's like
2: some, honorable such
4: such a such a rookie
1: move. I, hey, am I am I a rookie or amateur, man? Get, make your minds up, okay? Yeah, he's an amateur. Your boy, miss a show for like two, three weeks a, and I get demoted. Wait,
0: wait, wait. You're, Are a, you rook. get, or, you're he, a rookie. Wait, butcher. to tack on the NCAA conversation, if you're being paid, then you're a rookie. If you're not, you're an amateur.
1: Well, I would we damn get paid. So <laughs> I think we don't answer to that. Uh, no. Um, so a couple of things is it's interesting. They go deeper into explaining what enchanting, what takes enchanting because she tries to enchant Loki, but she can't. thought that was interesting to note. Also, another thing is it's interesting that Sylvie says that the TVA has been chasing her her whole life. Now, I don't know if that was a euphemism or literal, but that's, I think, something else that will play further down. Um, did the arc not give you snow piercer vibes?
2: Uh, yeah. Well, yeah, because I mean, like the, the uppercase, the, the, the poor people weren't even on the snow piercer. They just weren't allowed at all.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, uh, I love the, lo- the Love is a Dagger quote. I feel like that's going to be this. Um, this uh, series, Grief and Theseus quote that people are going to remember, and Loki admits he's bisexual. I thought that was interesting to note.
2: Well, and that segues nicely into the big conversation that then suddenly, um, I guess to me was, maybe it's because I've read the comics and have followed Loki as a character for so long. I mean, Loki is so much more than bisexual, by the way. I mean She's Loki, is, fluid, yeah. Loki, Loki is the definition of gender fluid uh and just everything that they do. But the director of the episode did an interview and was very proud and put out a tweet and kind of shared with that. And it was interesting to see the reaction by fans that either no sold it because of the gender fluid piece that that we just talked about there with Loki as a character versus Loki in the context of the show and the MCU. Um, Because in the MCU, even with this variant, Loki hasn't been shown to be gender fluid the way that Loki has in the comics. Like the Loki we know, Tom Hiddleston's Loki has not transitioned to any other gender other than loki as we've seen them so for for loki to to say you know i'm bisexual which is also a very important population that law that is interestingly maligned within its own community uh it's fascinating uh, to see it be both supported and on some level rejected um uh, by its by, by by its own group kind of a a member of all countries but also of none that um that even with the director talking about this and being very personal about being able to share their experience through this character, that there was still some folks who were like, "No, we're not, we're not buying what you're selling there." Uh, and so, just I found it interesting. You know, I don't even know that I have some big statement to make about it, other than to say it it was interesting. I thought it was great for the character of Loki. I think that Marvel and the MCU still is struggling mightily with representation for the LBGTQ community, period. Like, they just are. Like, they can't seem to do it very well. They, they've been very clumsy about it. And and so I think that that's the other part, is that people have their sort of their guards up. I don't think Anthony Mackey helped anything um, in his interview, well-intentioned, though it may have been. Uh, for those of you who don't remember, Anthony Mackie was talking about so many people looking for more out of the relationship between Bucky and Sam and Anthony Mackey being like, no, why do people keep looking for this stuff? It was just a platonic relationship between two men. Um, and that's all that it, all that it was. But it was the way that he presented the argument. Um, I don't have his quotes, but it was, it was very clumsy and inarticulate. Ray, you look like you're ready to, to read.
1: Reply. I do. I have a few things. First and foremost, that whole that whole Bucky situation and Bucky possibly being bisexual or being in love with Steve is almost as asinine as the Mephisto talk in Falcon Winter Soldier and then in a, a One because there is no that's never been listed. The only thing that's ever happened is one time uh, I think Bucky said he loved Steve or something like that. But, like, so that's something that we as fans are begging for. That's not canon. And so, which is why this Loki thing is interesting to me, because it goes to show this, the difference between people who know the source material and who don't. Because people, to people who don't, which is I'm sure 90% of the people watching this, maybe 80, they're thinking, oh, there goes Marvel just trying to put something in there again to, to you know, cater to these groups. And it's not. That's the character. Um to the point of Marvel not doing well in, in the past with LGBTQ characters, you're right, because I can't think of any outside of Valkyrie and, if you watch the Runaway show, Carolina Dean, Nico Minoru, and Zavin the Squirrel. They were, but, yeah, and, they were. But even then,
2: like, run, the Runaway show isn't, quote-unquote, MCU. MCU. And,
1: right. And, but Fast I, Dose is going to be in... Um, right um and in the, and the uh, eternal's um yeah so there's there's a lot coming
2: right well and even and even valkyrie isn't explicitly explained like you have to infer from Thor Ragnarok it's not going to be explicit until Thor Love and Thunder based on everything we've heard from Taika so it's just it is it is an area and Marvel with inclusion in general for for phase one and part of two not good at all yeah go back a little bit like non-existent it's just now becoming something that they're they're taking part in and embracing and trying to celebrate and so i think i get i will admit my own biases toward the product gives it a little bit more of a pass um than maybe i would if it was a different franchise If that makes any sense, like I'm more willing to give them time to figure it out than I might be in a different arena.
1: Sure. But you also have to think. And I know fans of any entity hate when you have the business talk, but that's the most important talk of a situation. You, you, You couldn't have led with Black Panther couldn't have been the first movie that they came out with. Nobody would have watched it. And that's not saying it's good. It's just they had to build to a point. Where they had the equity, if you will, to do these things and take these chances. And it's crazy to think that Black Panther is taking a chance. Shang-Chi is taking a chance. But it is. Because these aren't movies that are just domestic. They're a global movies. They're spending five, six 600000000 million on these movies. they got to get a return on their investment. So I think, while from a personal standpoint, yeah, it sucks. It was a very smart business plan to use the IPs we know that work to build around people we know that's going to build and then get to a point where we can do this and nobody can say shit to us now because we are the top branching studio in the world. And like, so you can't say anything about them now. They can literally do what they want. They made Guardians of the Galaxy. and Nobody had heard of them because they could. Right. Can I
0: I state something here?
2: Oh, dear. I don't know. Are you going to be an old man on the porch who says get off my lawn and yell um, absolutely
0: i am no I, I,
2: you guys know the opinions me of David do not reflect the opinions of bandwagon nerds
0: go for it you guys know me well enough to know i'm i'm not one of these people who, who's gonna sit there and and say a bunch of stupid shit about a lot of this stuff but here's my thing is is i don't think you can part of the problem is if they're when you try to retcon the storyline and the story arcs to kind of funnel I- inclusion into some of these stories, that's that's part of the problem, I think, is just like there you've got so many characters that have such a rich history. Loki's different because, like you guys are saying, he's very gender-fluid, and there's that sort of thing going on. But yeah, I mean, there was never anything, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, anything in the comics about Bucky and Steve having any sort of never. romantic relationship, anything in the comics about Bucky and Sam having anything never. but a... Contentious relationship for most of the time, so yeah. I, I don't I don't understand the backlash as to l- just like look, let it go, let them stick to the story. They will bring inclusion in naturally, and and I mean like we you know you guys talk about characters. Shatterstar was only in Death Deadpool two for a matter of moments before he got killed, so okay, <laughs> they didn't develop that. But that's that's my issue with this is like you can't just retcon
2: long-standing
0: so, story arcs to to bring this here, stuff forward go ahead pat here's
2: my push here's my pushback on that statement what uh, and and i am i have no problem with the story they have told what would it have done or quote unquote hurt if they had pursued that sort of story arc of sam and bucky say being in a Relationship other than a platonic relationship between two guys, other than what you know from reading the comics. Well, so, the thing, though, other it's... than being the comic book guy who's mad about it not being in, it. So, I'll, I'll ask this question: What did it hurt to have a black kingpin in in Daredevil? Nothing. Yet yeah, people bitched about Ving Rhames. So, I I do wonder.
1: Well, Ving Rams. It was Michael Clark Duncan, but good. Or Michael on.
2: Clark Duncan. You know, yeah. You know, um but but my question is and again i'm fine with the ship as it is what would it have hurt or helped what like what would what harm would have been done other than that's not what we read in the comics and so as you like the, the word retcon is just very interesting to me dave because it's like we've we've talked about how many things are different in the mcu that aren't true to comics
0: yeah, but here's the thing and and would it have hurt anything necessarily debatable. But I you've got to be careful that you don't alienate your core audience, which are largely the comics readers who you don't want to send them running and saying this is not, you know, what I remember. You don't think that
2: I, 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 do you if you think that the only people watching Marvel Cinematic no, Universe
0: no, no, no. I didn't say that. I said but that's but that's what this show is. The show is MCU. It is. Right? I, I, I would. I would. I haven't looked at demographics. I don't know if we've ever really dug deep into the demographics of who's watching this. Whether they Toney's are, Funny's mom, mom is not uh, the hardcore audience. I'll you know. I'll do respect to Mrs. Uh, Pizza Funny. I, That's uh. That I, she's not the hardcore I audience. She
2: has, I hear she has long boxes in the garage of Spider Man all the way back to Amazing Fantasy.
4: Sweet, Patrick. Your mother's your mother's an astronaut.
2: Thank
0: you.
4: <laughs> You're welcome. And she wears combat boots.
0: <laughs> I, let, let's so so. I want to kick it to Tunny. Tunny's kind of the semi bandwagoner here, and and we all three of us have got really strong feelings about what when when I think of Cap and Winter Soldier or Cap and Sam. There's a, something in my head that I've got there that yeah. Would it be the end of the world if they were a, a different kind of relationship? No, but in my head, it's like I look at him a certain way. But Tunny, how do you feel about you know? this sort of issue.
4: I think a lot of it is for me personally, like I don't, it doesn't matter to me. Right. So if that's something that's part of the story, then that I take it as part of the story. Right. If, if I don't see that as part of the story, I try not to read into it. Right. It's so long as it's a good, it's kind of like, right. I mean, to me, like that stuff doesn't really matter that much to me. It kind of like Carl, Carl Nassib came out, for being going to be the first uh, professionally gay football player open and playing in the NFL, right? And the message, big takeaway I gave were two things. One, the Trevor Project, which he donated to, which is spectacular. They do a great job, such a great lifeline for people in need. And two, he said, hopefully someday that when the next person that does this or the person that does this two, three years down the line, this, this, doesn't, this video doesn't even make SportsCenter. It's not really news. Like, we don't need a video. Right. Like, I just... I, I take it all in as the same to me. Like, well, if I have uh, a superhero who's who's gay, then that's that's a gay superhero. If I have a superhero who isn't, okay. If there are things there that I can read into, then I'll read into it. Could make the storyline better, right? But I don't. I not necessarily ever read into that. Not that it wouldn't make it for a more interesting storyline as well. So that's just kind of where I'm at. It's not a big deal to me personally.
1: Can can I jump in real quick? final word right so there is and i've spoke about this on the show many times there is a fundamental difference between a character who something about their sexuality or their race is integral to their character and a person right can i just can i just stop you before you get going real quick because the last thing i want
4: to say the people that maybe didn't really is like i i don't it's not a big deal to me whether or not the storyline goes that way or the other i do agree it is a Big deal to have representation, though. So I just yeah. don't want people to take the wrong uh, takeaway from what I said. So sorry to interrupt you, Ray. Keep continue. I just needed to add that on at the end.
1: No, yeah, sure. And I'm, I'm glad you said that because somebody will be like, oh, he didn't say that. No, that's what you know what you meant. Um, but what I mean is. You can't have a white man from Iowa be Black Panther, right? Consequently, you, I'm just keeping it a buck. Consequently, just... consequently, you can't have a black dude from L.A., be Steve Rogers. His race is integral to who he is as a person. Now, there are characters who that stuff doesn't matter, which is why when they did uh, Michael B. Jordan as Johnny Storm, him being white was never a part of the character. It's him being a hothead. To get to the whole Bucky and Sam or Bucky and Captain America, Steve Rogers thing, and ingratiating, retconning people and and either gender swapping them or changing their... If they become LGBTQ or straight, whatever it is, the only thing their identity. Thank you. I, I was trying to think of the word. Thank you. The only thing that comes to my mind is this. The reason why I'd be against it for. Bucky and for not so much Bucky, but for for Captain America or Sam Sam Wilson is because they have a history of major important relationships with other women that are integral to the to Marvel. Now, if we want to change that, that's cool. But that fundamentally changes everything about the structure of the MCU, because everything from the MCU is coming from a source material. Now, people play with it, but ultimately it comes from this and this, this and this and this. So if you want to change that, you fundamentally change where you can go with stories that have been integral to the stories. The entire story of 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 Steve Rogers and Peggy Carter was his entire arc. So if you make him gay, which is great, I wouldn't have a problem with that in a vacuum, that changes everything, right? That changes everything about who that character was. Bucky does not have that history. Bucky ain't never been with nobody in the, in the comics, male or male, female. So if Bucky was gay or bisexual, it wouldn't hurt anything. But to put him in this random relationship with the guy who's had a decades-long relationship with Peggy Carter, had a decades-long long relationship with his, with her niece, Sharon Carter— Sam Wilson's been with Misty Knight. Sam Wilson's been with all these other people that changes fundamentally the stories you're telling and the source material and the stories you could possibly tell in the future. So if you're going to do it, do it with people don't, that don't have those, that history so that you can tell the stories you want to tell without changing the fundamental point of the story. So my pushback
2: on that is, one, I never really saw it about Steve and Bucky. Like out of the MCU chatter. And I'm sure there was some of it there. I saw a lot of it with Sam and Bucky. And to your point with Sam, mm. who has Sam been around in the MCU? Who's yeah. he been with?
1: No, no but nobody. I mean, other than. Nobody. But oh, nobody- in the MCU? That's, no, no. That's
2: my point. So you have two characters that have really had no sort of romantic relationship of any sort. I just don't see that it would have been particularly problematic. I'm not one of those people who was advocating for it. I wasn't disappointed that it didn't happen. I totally love that there was it was a completely like bromance sort of, you know, two guys who just cuz that's another thing that we don't talk a lot about in film is portraying healthy relationships with two men. Yeah. That is is a health like Tunny knows that I love this show and I know Tunny hates it. But one of my favorite parts about the TV show Scrubs Scrubs. is that.
4: Fucking knew it. Unbelievable. uh, We're talking about bro ships. It's a great point though. It's a great great point.
2: But the thing is that that the Zach Braff, Donald Faison, J.D. and Turk relationship is a healthy, loving, platonic relationship between two straight guys. And that that's okay, and that they express it so well. And another show that I talk a lot about, and just talked about before we went on the show because I'm rewatching it, Ted Lasso. Ted and I'm gonna—I can't remember the name of his his assistant coach, but it's the same sort of thing. They're they're best friends. They're the best of friends, and that's and and they love each other, and it's clear that they love and care for each other. And you don't see that on film very often. You see it played for laughs. You see like tango and cash and like it's you know like a testosterone laden slapsticky making fun of you sort of way that 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 you don't see so i actually you know i do also want those sorts of relationships shown as well i just don't know that in this particular case with these particular characters it it wouldn't have been a big deal either way to me other than it would be completely counter to what you've read in marvel comics
1: And the Bucky and Sam was earned. That friendship was earned. We watched them fight forever to get to the point when they trusted each other. So it was earned. Exactly.
2: Okay, well, we're not going to solve all of our gender identity and relationship uh, uh, problems in the marvel cinematic universe in this one episode here what we are going to do is we're going to take a quick commercial break and when we come back we will venture over to the trailer park we got five trailers to cover today guys so a lot in front of us uh you are you're going to get all of that back on the back end you're listening to bandwagon nerds here on the chair shot radio network part of the chair
1: All right, Dave,
2: cue up the banjo. It's time to head to the trailer park. Yeah. All right. Ah, uh, gentlemen. Did we get
0: the yeehaw in there? I mean that that was that was Tunny this time. That wasn't me. I sure hope he did. It was it was a solid Yee-haw.
2: So as I was building as I was building the the greatest rundown in the history of podcasts, uh I've been told I make the best rundowns in the business. Just oh, in general,
0: I thought you meant this particular rundown. I was going to be like, I don't know about this one, but
4: it's a strong part of my Saturday night routine, sir,
2: is is going through. I mean, how is it that this rundown is the best rundown and that every new rundown is the best rundown in the history of bandwagon nerds? Anyway, I was sitting there. I was like, man, I don't know if I got a lot of trailers. And then suddenly I had five. Well, I had four. And then a fifth one came up, and I, I sprung this last one on you, literally last minute. And, and I'm gonna I'm gonna share how I I came to find this trailer. I turned on Netflix, and front and center on Netflix was an advertisement for this show called This Is Pop, and it's all about pop music. And it sucked me in right away. And I don't know if it's because lately. In the bandwagon chat, we've been talking about music and our music tastes and what makes music great. But I watched this trailer and it's such a, I I actually brought up the episode list because it's such an eclectic list of episodes talking about popular music and what makes pop. And the first episode title, Got me excited. You know what it's called? The boys to men effect. And and just to be clear, I I love boys to men so much. I went and saw them on the state fair circuit a few years back and was right there with all these screaming women who were calling their mothers because <laughs> boys to men told us to, to tell our moms that we love them before they busted. I watched... Crowed ass, forty-something-year-old women running up to a stage, hoping to get a rose from one of the boy because they have a whole thing of roses and they're handing them out during "I'll Make Love to You," like just great, great stuff. And to see an episode dedicated to them and their influence on boy bands was just—I haven't even watched the episode yet, but it was—it was terrific. I was—I was so excited, and I'm sitting there looking at these. You know, I'm looking at these different episode titles, and I think this is a really great story. I think this is a really great series. It's eight episodes, uh, and I can't wait to binge watch it. The only thing that kept me from starting it is that I started watching a different music uh, uh, documentary series that we'll talk about at the end of the show. So, gentlemen, did you have a chance to take a look at this? What would you think? Ray, we'll start with you. And then we'll go to Tony. Um, Sorry.
1: It it is on my list and it's something I plan to get to this week. It looks fantastic. To your boys men point, the only thing I need because that's all eight episodes sound fantastic. The Swedish episode about ABBA and all the stuff coming from there. Like it's so good. Um, but they better mention new edition because I, I get really sick and tired of everybody saying that bo- that boy band started with boys to men. There is no boys men without new edition. They audition for um Michael Bivens, outside of their bus. So, like, give New Edition some credit. Secondly, I don't think the majority of people would not care about this show as much as they do now or it'd be in the populace if it wasn't for that T-Pain story. That T-Pain story is crazy as hell. And for those of you who don't know, you remember T-Pain for being the king of auto-tune, right? He kind of mastered the vocoder in his time. He tells a story and this is on the commercial, so I'm not giving anything away. He tells a story where he's on a plane and he's in first class and the lady comes to him and says, hey, Usher wants to talk to you. T-Pain and Usher are friends. they have been on songs before. He brings Usher, he comes to the back and Usher says to him, and this is a direct quote, hey man, uh, you kind of fucked up music with that auto-tune. He's like, what? It's like, you know, it doesn't mean anything, but you kind of kind of ruined music. And he sat there to himself and he was like, did I really fuck up music? And he's in a <laughs> depression for like three years. So if you wonder why you didn't see T Pain for a long time, part of it is because of Usher saying he fucked up music. If that don't get you interested in the show, nothing else will. So somewhere well, Peter, let me finish Peter that...
0: Frampton's looking at him like nah, I fucked it up way before you did, baby.
1: <laughs> let me uh let me finish that
4: story for you, Ray, because T Pain came back and won the first ever season of Masked Singer, and they couldn't actually his believe real voice. that it yes. was his real voice. Uh yeah, yeah this looks awesome. I don't think it matters how old you are, to be honest with you. If you have any appreciation of any type of popular music, regardless of how old you are from, you know, 15 to 75, you're going to appreciate the way that they're telling the story. It just looks really nice. Um, I don't know, Dave, if you've checked it out. uh, Last thing I want to say is free Britney. Free Britney. God damn it, (laughs) Tony.
0: For real. Yeah. Fuck that conservatorship, man. She could take care of herself maybe and they over to my house yeah okay there you go <laughs> oops oops uh, i did it again i i watched the trailer i thought it was uh i thought it's very interesting there's a, a a eclectic topic that they're you know talking about i mean pop music when you say pop music that's such a broad category that there's no telling what can be in there you know i i mean we're not going to get you know the metallica backstory or anything like that and that's fine but it does look the ABBA thing, yeah, definitely sounds like a, a fun one. The boys to men thing sounds fun. The T Pain thing. Um I, I don't know what else they, they showed on there. There's several others that look like they could all be oh Neil Sadaka, isn't he on there too, Pat? Neil yep, yep, um, Sadaka. He's the uh he, he, what did he say about the the fifties? He said he's something of the fifties.
5: He was the Justin, Justin Bieber, Bieber. of yes. the fifties.
0: Which I love, I love that quote. And I'm like fifties, you were around in the seventies. My mom loved Neil Sedaka, So, uh, it, it looks very, very good. And like our love for music, we all have a love for music, um, various There's, genres. So I'm, right. I'm in.
2: There's a whole episode on country pop when, when country went pop and, and Shania Twain, my mom, that's Shania Twain turned my mom country and I'll never forgive Shania for that. But, um.
1: My mom too.
2: If we will be honest, us. I'm just. Yeah. I, yeah. When country went pop. I, I was just. I literally was just talking about that.
0: My bad. Keep drinking, Tony. Hey. Keep, keep drinking, hey. buddy. I
2: guess
1: Everybody, I
0: got PC so Tony.
2: So much shit going on here. PC Tony. Everyone. To uh, back, right. Yeah, it's hashtag Greg's fault. That's always an easy thing yeah. to do. Um,
4: Bandwagon, Greg.
2: Right, so yeah, I'm I'm very very excited for this. I'm looking forward to getting it started once I finish some other stuff in the list. The next film on our visit through the trailer part, our um, it's not going to be up. Not we're we're leaving Tony's wheelhouse because we're going to a new trailer for the Candyman film, the Candyman reboot, if you will. Directed by Nia DaCosta. Produced by Jordan Peele. And and this is the first trailer that truly, like, I'm like, okay, I'm ready to watch this. Because, I don't know, like, the vibe I got out of watching this trailer is, it's not just about this character. This iconic character brought to life by Tony Todd back in the day. It really is about this journalist's obsession with the legend of... Candyman like that's the vibe I got from this and that that's sort of the allegory that we're going to be working with here as we as we tell this story because it looks to me unless I'm wrong that this journalist is either being possessed or slowly becoming the Candyman
0: Dave I'll let you kick this one off well seeing as how Tony and Ray have zero interest in this movie uh, it's not in their wheelhouse but I I'm very Ray, you don't know
1: Candyman let, let they finish. I'll, <laughs> I'll
0: jump in when he's finished. Let, let I finish. I think uh, the trailer is very good. I, it, it does. It's hard to tell what's going on with this guy, whether he's being possessed or whether he has brought this upon himself by invoking the accursed incantation of saying Candyman five times, looking in a mirror or something re- reflective, and and Candyman coming in to take him over. It, it it's interesting to me that the backstory that that's almost like um like remember Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows where they did that animated sort of backstory as to the, the three brothers. They've got that element going on as they're trying Shadow to explain. Stuff. Yeah, yeah, they're trying to explain. And it almost gets to the point where it's like, okay, the guy that they killed, may, was he innocent or was he part of a bigger something going on? Because they're saying razor Razorblade showing up in candy, they the cops come kill him, razor blades keep showing up in candy. So you get the impression that the candy man may not be just what like they, and then they say it's not just one person it's several things going on so we're obviously going to get an expansion of the Candyman lore and that's cool we're going to get tony todd again in some capacity that's great oh, yeah. so uh yeah count me in i mean we saw there were we didn't put it on the trailer park but there were two really good horror trailers this past week so uh that's
2: i'm not a big halloween reboot guy sorry um i'm so john carpenter loyal that i I just
0: yeah you know this Eh. well okay you you know know it is it is it is is a direct sequel to the john carpenter stuff
2: no no i understand Eh. that's that's all good go ahead ray wow (laughs) oh no 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 no
4: no no i get it no 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 i get it
2: it's it's
1: fine okay
2: ray your thoughts
1: (laughs) So look, let me say this. Yes, sir. I am a horror aficionado. I've been watching scary movies since I was little. The first time I watched The Exorcist, I was six years old.
0: We've heard this story
2: that, before. It yeah. explains a lot, right.
1: Ray. That really does. Don't okay. do shit for me. Right? <laughs> I, Exorcist, don't scare me. The, the Conjuring and um, the Amityville Horror, eh, All that stuff. Fucking Candyman? Nah, bro. That is the <laughs> <Nope>. scariest <laughs> shit. In my look, if you're from the hood or you are raised about the generation of me and Tony, you are terrified of the fucking Candyman, because like I don't know what it is. And you know what 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 I love about Candyman is, and it it, it the lore of it has grown to be much bigger than just the, my community. But for the longest time, it was like Black people's Bloody Mary. You know what I'm saying?
2: It's unapologetically
0: a black m- series of movies.
1: Sure, but I'm just saying. So many. It's gotten so big. This
0: trailer even pokes fun at that, saying black people should never summon anything. So
1: never. Why? Why would we do such a thing? Yeah, no. It's and for the record, I hadn't. I hadn't seen the trailer on purpose. This one. I saw the first one. It wasn't that bad. i hadn't seen this on purpose. I avoided it, and I watched that shit right before the show. And yeah, I'm not going to sleep tonight. Thank you. Thank you for that. I got the sweat. Got the sweat. Yeah. Yeah, just a little bit. I don't know if you noticed, when the show started, I was sweating. Yeah, so thank you for that.
2: Tony, I'm assuming you, uh, you are not going to go see this at the theater.
4: I, yeah, I really have zero interest. I mean, it's probably, kind of probably, like a, probably, probably, a, probably not going to
2: see the whole
4: video. Basically a
2: Beetlejuice ripoff, you know. <laughs> oh, no. You did not. And
1: we move oh,
2: on. You are so <laughs> in trouble over that one. I'm gonna save that. We're gonna save that nugget. Can Dave, can you clip that statement like how can time? we how can we
4: how can we do this better? Well let's make it scarier and not funny and we'll have people say it five times instead of three.
2: We're, we're gonna save that little Beetlejuice nugget and the next time Christopher Pleps like, is like on a the fucking it's like, so it's like Kingpin. It's like, like the yeah.
4: Amish bowler. We do everything one and a half times.
2: Yeah. <laughs> that
0: might become the new Uh, I butt chug saltwater all the time clip there Tony
2: I am that is shots fired we're just going to move on to a to a movie that the little O'Dowd is very very excited about I'm a little more ambivalent toward but it is the trailer dropped for the new G.I. Joe um, themed movie Snake Eyes G.I. Joe Origins now I love ninjas. Everybody here knows my feelings towards GI Joe. It was one A and 1 B along with the Transformers in my top Saturday morning cartoons of all times. Here's my concern. Snake Eyes talks. Snake Eyes don't talk.
0: I give you another well, reason to be concerned though. It's got origins. Break. Can I origin. It's got uh, origins in origin. the title.
1: We saw what happened the last time a movie origin. put origins in the that's title. Fair. Okay, and if you're could gonna it be fair, he's could it could be that he's not snake eyes until he puts the helmet on?
2: Well, so he took a vow of silence, but the thing that is i here's a, here's why? my thing. why, Patrick? Why did he take a vow of silence? That's part of the mystery of the character.
4: Well, oh, like, then maybe that's what we're gonna find out when we go back to the origins.
2: Well, it depends, because if you look at the G.I. Joe Rise of Cobra if, movie, all, he took a vow of silence. Have
4: you have now, like so. selective close mindedness.
2: No, I don't have selective clothes mindedness in this. Sure, it's, you do. it's gonna tell us it's gonna tell his story and yeah, he's gonna talk a lot. Um but I don't know, man. I, I don't I don't know how it feels. I'm gonna see it because my kid wants to see it and it's got Scarlet and G.I. Joe is definitely a thing in this movie. Cobra is definitely a thing in this movie as they try to reboot this Hasbro franchise. Um I There's I'm gonna What's this coming out on? Uh, I think it's on August, in theaters. Okay. Late July.
4: I, oh, I was hoping it was on streaming or something. It'd be Patrick and the little Odal sitting down to watch this, and he keeps walking August. out of the room. He keeps walking out of the room. Finally, the third time he walks out into the kitchen, Mrs. O'Dowd's like, "What's wrong?" Fucking Snake Eyes keeps talking. I can't handle it. Snake
2: <laughs> Eyes don't talk, man. He just doesn't talk. It's just it's it's yeah, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see how it goes. The I will say this. They got the look down like with the with the visor and that whole thing. I don't know. It is a Paramount movie. Maybe it'll show up on Paramount Plus. Uh, hey
1: because sure. Invincible was on is that what's called Invincible? The Mark Wahlberg movie yeah. that just came out?
2: Yeah, we talked about that one a little while ago. It actually comes out July twenty third. So premieres July
1: 23rd. Oh no, Paramount got the deal 45 days afterwards, so it'll be on there 45 days after.
2: Oh, uh, okay. So a little bit of time. I just, um, yeah, he he just he does he does talk. It's it, and so, it's so as it's I get it. It's like you know if Bucky and Steve Rogers had a relationship, um, or something like that. <laughs> just kidding. Sorry, I couldn't help it. I couldn't resist that. Anybody have any GI Joe thoughts on this trailer? Other than it looks like a lot of ninja fun. I
1: just, was actually a fan of the the two before. I was actually I enjoyed both of them. The first one more so the than the second one. one. Yeah, I hated the one with the, the rock and Bruce Willis that didn't do much for me.
2: Well, it, it, I was just bothered by the removal of Duke entirely from the segment. Like, but you know why, right? Yeah, I do. I just I, I understand. It's like it's like when they it's like when um you lose Cyclops from X Men in the third X Men movie, like he's gone.
1: I'm look, I, I'm with you too. But when you hear the fact that he literally refused to do the movie, and they're like, "Look, you right, gotta right. do no, this." No, I get you. Yeah, I, yeah. So get it. I just it, it sucks. It. Yeah, do it. like recast him. Like, yeah, I'm with you. I'm with you on that. Like recast I, him. Channing Tatum was not that
2: important to me that I needed him to be Duke. I just needed Duke in the in the damn show. But I, I in fact, again a little doubt. We watched uh, GI Joe:
1: Rise of Cobra last week. It was on TV, right? It was on like TBS or something.
2: No, I, I own
1: it. Oh, okay. What the Jeez, God, Ray, whatever. Don't I know like, what's wrong he, with me? Right? See, it's he, oh, dude. He owns. It. I, have, I haven't been out for three weeks. I'm I'm just tripping. Fucking rookies, yeah. man. Fucking rookies. Now, now you know, Ray.
0: Uh, now we know. And knowing is half the battle. The
2: All right, let's get to the comic book movies, shall we? We'll start. Which one do you, do you want to do Marvel or DC first? Do you do you want to? Which one do you want to do? Tony is thumbs up. Pick one.
4: That- Said Marvel. I flipped the coin, it's a Marvel. All
2: okay. right, so we got a new Shang-Chi movie uh, trailer this week with some footage we've already seen, a lot that we hadn't already seen, and some some appearances, some surprising appearances that is I I I, I I'm sorry, I wasn't expecting to see the abomination in Wong in an arena battling each other at the end of a trailer that was kind of cool uh it does also kind of back up that tim roth is coming back as the abomination for the she-hawk series that's that's been official and out so great way to bring him back into the trailer we also got a lot more of the lore of the ten rings um and shang chi's you know role with his family and that there seems to be two sides to a coin that he will be dealing with, Dave. Thoughts on the Shang-Chi trailer before Ray and I talk about dragons. <laughs> uh,
0: well, nothing that. It, pretty much everything you said. It, it is. It does illustrate Shang-Chi's. Shall we say difficult relationship with his father, and it certainly looks like there is a father-son battling going on at the at, near the end of the trailer involving the ten rings. Uh, I yeah, I, I mean, Shang Chi is another one of these movies that that I have high hopes for because it is a a fringe character in the Marvel universe. Like you and I were talking uh, yesterday, he really only has appeared in a lot of the Kung Fu comics and didn't really stand out on its own. So I'm curious as to why Kevin Feige and the powers that be at DC and Marvel thought this is a character that needed to be brought to the forefront. I understand all the inclusion stuff we're talking about earlier. Great, fine, fantastic! I really want to see what kind of story that they're telling here. And uh, with that being said, I will defer to you guys on the great dragon debate of two
2: thousand twenty-one. Uh, Tony, Tony's out.
1: So Ray, before the dragon debate, I need to the most. No, real, I think this is important. The most important thing about this entire trailer to me was we finally saw the ten rings. I think that was that was major to me because. So the reason why this, the reason why we didn't see the Mandarin in, in the Iron Man movies, the real Mandarin, and the reason why it took so long for this to kind of play out, so there's so much problematic. You can't have Shang Chi, whose real dad is Fu Manchu. You can't do that, right?
2: Number no, one. no, you certainly you can't can. do that.
1: Secondly, the if you look at the way the Mandarin looks in the comics, it's very tropish, right? Oh, yeah. So to see him kind of be a a, a real, legit businessman, and we know historically in all the MCU movies that the ten rings is an actual organization right not just not just a fo- like a cult it's a terrorist organization they tried to get the serum from um for the wasps the wasp or the uh yellow jacket serum they did a bunch of things yeah. but i like the fact that the rings are not physical rings on their fingers i like that it's how they made it look i like think our- that's exactly that's going to be integral to I think the character and how the importance of the movie, um, because it this could have gone so bad had they stuck with comic lore and what we talked about earlier about comic lore, they changed it for the better, right? Right. So, if you want to get now, we get the dragons, I want to get that out because I thought that was,
2: I, I also think it's a good comp to just it's you know, modernizing a character that needed modernization. Because you look at yeah. a lot of those characters that were introduced in the 70s, because Shang-Chi was created in the wake of the popularity of Bruce Lee, like yeah. he just was. And so there was a certain sort of look to that character that today is racist as fuck. Um, and it's the same thing with Luke Cage. Like Luke Cage, we talked about this a few weeks ago when we were talking during the Hero Project. Luke Cage was... Part of that black exploitation surge from the seventies, and his character was a black man written by a bunch of white dudes trying to pretend how they thought a a black man in Harlem would speak.
5: Sweet, Uh, Chris.
2: Right, and so you know, I think that it's it's a it's an update for for the all the right reasons, and yeah, I'm looking forward to that one. Okay, so when this trailer drops the name fin fang foom starts trending on twitter and you know ray when he shares the trailer he's all excited he yells fin fang foom because at one point shang chi is underwater and he comes face to face with a very large dragon now that then immediately led to speculation that it could be fin fang foom i'm going to start before i seat over to ray by acknowledging that there is a small, somewhat tenuous connection to not Shang Chi, but to the Mandarin character between Mandarin and Fin Fang Fu. Mm-hmm. That said, before Ray starts, I don't think it's Fin Fang Fu. Ray, go.
1: It's a very good chance it may not be. I think it is only because of that connection you mentioned, and because Marvel doesn't make mistakes. They don't do things without purpose, right? <laughs> so I know Oh, sorry. That wasn't Marvel. That was us dumbasses. That was not Marvel. Um, uh but you showed you showed us in the in our group chat um the toy that says the Great Protector. Is that what it's called?
2: I showed you multiple
1: toys. Right, but I'm saying they, they named them the what? The Great Protector?
2: Something something protector, yeah.
1: And I know Marvel, normally the only real spoilers you get from Marvel movies are the toys. But a lot well, of the times, that's that's the best, well, unless you're talking to Mark Ruffalo or Tom Holland. But uh right, right, right. A lot of the times they'll put them under a certain name until the movie comes out and it's such and such and such, right? So it and it could it could be there you mentioned very adequ- very correctly that the Fing Fang Foom isn't the only dragon in the lore of Marvel, especially not in the in the Asian continent. Right, it's right. multiple, right? But I yeah. think the only yeah. one that makes yeah. sense.
2: There were there were like four. There's like I, I, yeah. There's like three Marvel dragons in the Marvel version of China.
1: I don't think this is the one that you. I can't remember his name, but the one that is it Shao Lao or whatever. But the one that Iron Fist gets the heart of to get the she. No, I don't, I don't think so. Think this is him. Yeah. So then I don't know the third one you're talking about. I know moon girl and the dragon but that's not in asia so i think it makes sense to me yeah
2: it makes sense i I, here's my pushback i ray honest to god i think this is a case of fans seeing what they want to see and not seeing what we've been shown like because it's not just that these toys like these toys have been put out they've been selling like it's not a lot of times when you see like the fake head fake thing those things aren't on shelves those things aren't being bought this is stuff like you can go buy that funko pop that i put in our chat you can go buy that toy like that's like you can get that thing at walmart so to me it's just i think it's gonna and i went back and I looked in the context of the trailer too. And it looks very much like this is some sort of encounter he's having when he's with his mother, or at least who I'm assuming is his mother and kind of coming to terms with who he is. Like this is the origin story. And so I think that it's, I think it's more along those lines. If it were to turn out to be Fin Fang Foom, I just think that's a very interesting creature and character to introduce into a into a story involved like because the only way my brain can kind of see Fin Fang Foom being in this is if it's like Mandarin's trying to summon Fin Fang Foom to do blah blah blah, and that's a real injustice to that character, a shape shifting is with- horribly manipulative. So I'll agree with that's that, but I not lean, the- I lean more towards the protector. I don't, I I just don't see it.
1: I agree with your point there, but it wouldn't be the first time Marvel has underutilized a villain. Number
2: one. No, not at all. I mean, and they num- love to kill their
1: villains. 100%. And number two, and I think most pertinently, um, we just spoke about it today. Sylvie may actually be the Enchantress, but when they sell Sylvie toys, it's not going to say Enchantress. It's going to say Sylvie. So sometimes two characters can be, they can they can make two characters one. So, you know, sure, it may end up really being Feng Feng Foom, but they just named it the Great Protector because it I don't know, it's they don't want to give it away or it makes more sense in the context of the movie or whatever it is. So, you know. Dave is he grasping for
0: straws. I'll tell you guys exactly who it is. This is going to be the first time that Disney and Marvel actually cross over. It's Pete's Dragon. That's gotta be oh, who please. it is. Yeah. There you go. I solved it. Problem build, solved. Could he build Raya's dragon? I can't
2: even remember the dragon's name in Raya the Last Dragon. But... <laughs> I, uh,
0: I, As far as, I mean, who knows? It could be Finn Fang Foom. It could be the great It could be some brand new dragon that is nowhere in the Marvel comics. As we've said <laughs> numerous times today, they take a lot of liberties with whatever they deem fit to take liberties with. So this could be a completely... For all we know, he's in Loch Ness and he just came across a Loch Ness monster. No one knows. <laughs> that's Nessie? Yeah, that's Nessie. It could be. I mean, there's no context to where he is, so who the fuck knows? <laughs> it could be anything. I mean, it could be Fin Fang Foom. It could be. It, 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 it's, this, is, this is the speculation that gets us all in trouble. It's Mephisto. You see Mephisto around every corner. Now, you know, you got. Who the fuck
1: knows? We never saw Mephisto, though. We actually no. literally saw a dragon. A dragon. Yes, we saw a dragon. <laughs> leave it's true.
0: It, leave it there. Yeah, we'll leave it at that, and we'll move into
2: what I do believe is trailer 9,376,282 of The Suicide Squad. Dave shared it right before he jumped on this show. This one goes into a little bit more of a backstory for the Idris Elba character, really firmly establishing his his character as the main character, the protagonist within the Suicide Squad. I don't have a ton of reactions to this, other than this is going to sound a little bad. I'm kind of tired of Suicide Squad trailers. There's like a I'm, bit I'm, like. I'm-
0: It's only been like three of them.
2: No, it feels like way more. And I get it. Blood sports, the guy and you know, you're doing, it feels like between full length trailers and short teaser trailers. I I actually feel inundated like with, with suicide squad trailers. So with that, I'm going to step back. Dave, why don't you kick this one off? How are you feeling about what do you think of this newest trailer? This well,
0: is the latest tra- I mean, they've clearly turned Bloodsport into Deadshot. That's uh that's like I think right. Ray had made the comment about that. Uh they it's 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 interesting to me that they're saying that he's the one who put Superman in the ICU with a kryptonite bullet, which I'm pretty sure that was Deadshot as well. At some who knows? Uh it's it's interesting that there does seem to be some continuation. Okay, so we're in a world where Superman is clearly come back to life and something's going on with him and 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 blood sports put him into the icu um i did like you know the john cena stuff was was quite humorous and, and he continues to knock it out of the park with everything that he does uh it's it's going to be a very fun movie it's coming out august 6th like ray said we're almost there i'm anticipating this i do like in a dc property they put by the Great James Gunn, director of Guardians of the Galaxy, is like way to pimp the competition right there, guys. Excellent move. Smartly done. No,
2: you can't I'm not. I'm gonna. It's a fucking successful
0: movie franchise. Of course it is.
2: Right? Like you 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 put out that this guy, the guy who well, brought you this. It's a way of j-
0: adding credibility to suicide because the first one went so badly. So it's like, hey. We got somebody who knows what the fuck they're doing this time, and here you go. And we're not going to use the shitty enchantress, unlike the cool one in Loki. We're not going to use the shitty enchantress from Suicide Squad. We got better stuff going on here. So,
1: I let's yeah, get to the Starro, the starfish. Yeah, now
0: that yes. that is that is a big deal. That you know there it does look like they're bringing in Starro, and that was the very first villain the Justice League ever fought. So that's a, a really interesting choice of of big
1: bad for this movie (laughs) isn't it though it is what do you even what do you even how do you even begin the process but that makes sense why they got so many damn people on the suicide squad this time right because last time it was six before uh, after slipknot killed himself it it was like six of them you know now it's like like 12 star gonna
0: fucking kill half of them or turn the other half into his own starfish minions or whatever and I, you know, it, it is, it is an interesting choice as far as villain is concerned, but I'm all in. Yeah. Let's see some starfish action. I mean, if you can turn Tony, a starfish into something badass, you've really accomplished something.
2: Tony, you made a statement about our good friend, John Cena in the chat. Share their thoughts with the rest of the group, with the rest yeah, of the
4: class. Yeah. I, I think he's got a few things. I mean, F9, Ray, you know, you, you were a. Uh... Look at look at him go there. Um John Cena's got some stuff coming out, and I think he's gonna surprise some people that aren't necessarily wrestling fans or have been up on him. I, I think he's just he, he really seems like a guy who would take to the craft, right, and invest himself in that. So yeah, I think this definitely gonna be a much better version of the Suicide Squad. I think it's gonna be action and comedy. That's what it's gonna be. It's gonna be a serious storyline with a lot of action and the rest of it's just comedy and and that's okay. That's like, that's kind of playing to the success of like doom patrol. Like we talked about off the air a little bit, right? That's, that's the a dark storyline highlighted by comedy. So it hey, looks like they got the right cast. It for worked
1: it. for guardians. So, Hey, let's go. That's, I, literally, uh, that's literally the blueprint for this is correct. what guardians did. I
2: think these trailers are showing exactly why John Cena got the spinoff show.
1: Yeah. He's like, steals the I, I, show every time he's on.
2: Like every tra- like and he only has like a thirty second line in this where he's talking about the starfish also being another name for a butthole. Is that is that any correlation? And, and and I mean it's it's just it's deadpan delivery. It's well done. So yeah, John Cena going. I, he's he's the next Dave Bautista. This is going to be his breakout movie. That's going to truly make him a leading guy and allow him some other opportunities that probably has a, an opportunity to be a bigger star than than what Dave could reach. Even if it's just by factor of his age, because Dave, well, Dave was talking because Dave was talking about it and how this is his life, like next Guardians movie is his last one because he's feeling like he's getting too old to play Drax.
1: Well, also, Dave doesn't want to do the movies that John and The Rock would do. Dave wants to be an artiste. And do artistic movies where he plays character-driven yeah, Army, things.
2: Ar- Army of the Dead was a high-brow film. <laughs> exactly, exactly.
0: The art. John and <laughs> John and Dwayne are like, I'll take the money, you know. And Dwayne's Give like, me the I money. need Give David, me the box yeah, Dave's like, Listen, I, I need to Batiste, do my craft.
4: Batista made it clear he did not want to be in a movie with Cena or The Rock.
0: Yeah, there is that. So,
2: all right. That's going to close the book on this week's visit to the trailer park. We're going to take another quick commercial break. And when we come back, we're going to do a little trip around the Nerdosphere. Before we get to that and before we get to the recorded commercials, it is my duty to remind you to head over to prowrestlingtees.com forward slash the chair shot and invest in a chair shot radio sponsored t-shirt. We have all kinds of great stuff in there, sayings made popular by people like Ray Cash and hashtag journalism, sayings made popular by absolutely no one but myself in Everybody Hates Craig, sayings and shows that we all know and love, like the aforementioned show you are listening to, Bandwagon Nerds, or if you like video games, get the Winner's UT shirt. Also there, multiple designs of a winner is you, by the way. You feeling some Zelda? You can get that one. Feeling some old school Nintendo Pro Wrestling logo? You can get that one. Uh, you can also get OG Chair Shot logos. All kinds of great stuff for the low, low price of $19.99. Or if you're feeling fancy, spend a few dollars more. Get it soft style. The preferred style of one, Miranda Morales. And I think like it's like 3 or 4 bucks more. And it feels good on your giblets, everyone. I heard you all cozy and comfy and all that. So if you like what we do, if you like the content that we put out every day for you, help us keep making that great content by heading over to prowrestlingtees.com forward slash the chair shirt, chair shot, chair shot and get us, get yourself a chair shot. T-shirt. Once again, that is prowrestlingtees.com forward slash the chair shot. When we come back, we're gonna let Ray pontificate and bloviate on one of his favorite movie franchises. You're listening to Bandwagon Nerds on the Chairshot Radio Network. A part of the Do we have that kind of time?
4: Eight, seven, six, five, four, three,
5: two, one. This is your boy Kenny Killer telling you to make sure you check out the Bringing you breaking news interviews. Podcast galore, everything progressing. Make sure you check it out, thechairshot.com.
2: Okay, welcome back, everyone. Home stretch of this week's edition of Bandwagon Nerds as we bring you news, news around the nerdosphere. And it's funny, a couple of these news bits i actually just put out there because they made me think of people and the first one uh that i'm gonna go with actually made me think of dave because dave is a big fan of this video game this little video game franchise on the xbox um it's minorly popular it's it's what halo is is the is the show Something it's
0: like aliens are involved. There's a chief who's a master or something like that. Master Chief, not Master Chef, honey. Master Chief. Just oh,
4: it's a great yeah. show. Wednesdays on Fox. There you go. Great chefs. They've already had on. They've already had Paula Deen, uh Hirimoto, Curtis Stone.
0: Seriously, I, ha- I had to start it, didn't I? Um, I'm I'm excited about a Halo live action series. This is a franchise that screams live action. I mean, really anybody who watched like back in the old days, remember uh, anybody who played halo and they did red, red and blue, those things on YouTube. Those were some great, funny fricking shows. So this is a franchise that needs a live action series could probably benefit from a live action movie. Although I'm glad it's going to streaming first because let's be honest, video games and movies don't exactly go so well together. Doom, um, things like that it's very hit and miss mostly miss so yeah i'm i'm all for it i mean i want to see what timeline Rich. they're they're doing it and and how they're going to integrate the halo universes i know how you love extended universes pat but uh the halo universe has got a lot of stuff out there
2: well and this uh, it's i'm glad that you're happy and excited but the but what concerns me is that the story I actually shared the reason i shared it is because the showrunner is departing after they finish production of the first season so the first season is currently in production and it's just never a good sign when a showrunner departs this quickly because it means one of two things it means the show's trash and the showrunner's trying to get out of it or there are some serious creative differences between the showrunner and someone else. Now, whether that is the executives, the producers, paramount, whoever, but when, when showrunners leave and you bring on new ones, that is a danger to the show. And it it worries me that we haven't even got season one out of the way and the showrunners already out. Um, my my classic example of this is uh, the TV show American Gods on Showtime has had three different showrunners. Like it just keeps going through hodgepodge, and it got canceled because you can't keep it up. Like you just can't keep it up if if you if you're going through so many different artistic visions. Um, Ray, thoughts on a Halo franchise?
1: Well, so I read the article. And in the article, I know there was two showrunners. One of them left. We don't know why. But the other one, who is staying on for the rest of the finish of the first season, is leaving for season two. But the reason given, again, this is the reason given, maybe not the truth, is that they've been in Budapest for two years. And he's ready to come home because he has some personal shit he has to handle. So if that's really truly the case, then I don't think that's the case of either or. Because normally you're right. If you see these guys in and out, it's creative differences or the show sucks. Um, I I don't know how you could fuck up Halo because it's almost there's so many video games. I know we got uh, the and in, in, Uncharted, uh, in, uh, I believe it. What is that the one with uh, Tom Holland coming out? And so yeah. many other uh, video games that can be adapted in movies that whatever. Halo's built for that. Literally everything about Halo is built for it. Now I hate Halo because I suck at it, but other than that visually it's built for a movie or a show so it would really be horrible and disheartening if it doesn't work so they need to figure it out
2: you know what's fun you mentioned video game franchises being turned into tv so this article it's a variety article actually has a list of video game franchises being translated into series Castlevania, an anime series on Netflix, just wrapped up. Resident Evil, coming soon to Netflix. Cyberpunk 2077, anime, coming to Netflix. The Last of Us, coming mm-hmm. um, to HBO, live action. Halo, coming to Paramount+. Plus. Assassin's Creed, coming to Netflix. Diablo, coming to Netflix. I don't know how I feel about that one. Is um, this- Oh, I'm not
4: done. Go ahead.
2: Fallout, coming to Amazon. Far Cry, coming to Netflix. Skull and Bones, which I've never even heard of that game, coming to TBA, hasn't found a distributor yet. Splinter Cell, coming to Netflix. Tomb Raider, coming to Netflix. And last but not least, Twisted Metal, looking for a home.
1: Let's go. The real sweet (laughs) tooth.
4: The real sweet tooth. Two thoughts that come to mind. Is this all off the back of the success of The Witcher? So if you can do this correctly, I mean, that that was a highly popular video game as well. And who's got the balls? Who's got the chutzpah? Who's got the vision to give us Zelda, the series? Which, which Zelda do
0: you do? Well, that's Wh- the problem. Who's
4: got the vision? You know who do it? There's a lot of story to tell there. You could start and stop anywhere. I mean... There is so much shit does
1: Isn't that I mean, what Amazon is doing? Now that they got all the Lord of the Rings and the... Zelda, so they heard me stuff. say it. And
4: they're already working on it. Yeah. Fucking Vince McMahon shit all, all over again. Yep. <laughs> God.
0: No.
1: I,
2: I
0: think out of the ones you mentioned, The Last of Us and Fallout have the best potential to be really, really good. Diablo could be ton, done to like... They could turn that into a Witcher sort of dungeon crawlish adventure but yeah there's no there's there's no real storyline
2: going through diablo yeah it's just diablo is such a hack and slash game i loved it when i was 20 um yeah I, i name a what what what's a good video game for outside of the witcher which we all like What's a good video game franchise show or movie series that you've seen out there? Because I, I don't say Resident Evil because I'm going to disagree with you. What's a movie? But, well, are we
1: talking, is it good or successful? Because Resident Evil successful. 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 Tomb Raider has been successful. There's been a lot of them that have been successful.
0: What's well, good? I can't think of any series out there that can you other than The Witcher? Originated,
4: originated from a video game though. Like I can think of things that were something else turned into a video game and had more success after right. that, but I can't think of anything that like started A1 project was make a video game, turn this into a series. That's really tough. Um
1: and, and that, to be fair, it's, it's really video tough. games video games are built differently now. Video games have scripts and storyboards and these things much more cinematic. Which, yeah, which makes sense for them to be easily transferable. I'd be curious that somebody hasn't tried to transform a Grand Theft Auto into a movie or series.
2: You make a point. Mass I mean, what's the
1: Mass Effect right. would be the one that I'd
0: be thinking that should be turned into a, a series. Mass
1: Effect is good. Mass Effect is a good one. Yeah.
4: What is it? Red Dead Revo- Revolver or Redemption, whichever Red one. Redemption,
1: there. Redemption. Yeah.
4: Redemption. I know there's another revolver. It's one. the
1: Last of, of Us. Turn that Western. Last of
0: Us is the uh, vampire. Well, I don't know about it's a zombie no, apocalyptic thing.
1: What's the one with with Kratos, God of War? God of War. Or, God of War. That character needs to be on TV or or a movie. I don't know about the. I've never played the and, games. And gears. So I don't know
0: about the series.
1: Gears of War is that another guy. One.
0: Gears of War that, is another one they could turn into.
4: That Jim Carrey Sonic movie was a fucking hit. Can't tell me
1: otherwise. Great point. That's a great point.
2: I own it. I, I do too.
1: I was being um, facetious.
2: <laughs> yeah, I'll tell you exactly why I own it. it, it it's probably Ray can probably uh, agree with this. It's my it kid. Is. Yep, kid freaking ate that thing for breakfast and twice on Sunday. Thanks. Loves that movie, and, and it's not the worst movie in the world. Like I didn't find myself being like, "God, get me out of here." It's not oh, like yes. it was the Rise of Skywalker.
1: It's so. Oh god, it's fairly enjoyable. It's, it's enjoyable. It's not. It's, it's not it like it wasn't no
4: Walter Witness or GI Joe, right? Like yeah, I mean, you know, it's <sighs> not like Ray, It's it.
0: not like taking Ray he to see. Ra- talk. She talk. It's not like taking Ray to see Arachnophobia or something. It's nothing like
1: that. Oh, I'm, o- I'm okay. with Arachnophobia. There's so, another part of it, but thank you for that. I will hang up on this call right the to fuck now. we playing. Got no, you. you
2: won't. You're too happy to be back to hang up on the call. Damn, rook, damn uh, rookies, man.
1: Shut
4: up and be happy yeah, to be here, rookie.
2: Amateur. All right. Let's move on to some Star Wars news. We got word this week that Rogue Squadron, Patty Jenkins' new uh, Star Wars film, found a writer. We will be, um, oh, shoot, I'm going to lose the name. Where did the name go? We...
4: Uh,
2: At this Matthew
4: time, we'd like to remind you to head sorry. over to ProWrestlingTees.com forward slash the shot.
2: Well, Patrick O'Dowd tries to find the name of Matthew Robinson, who uh, has signed on to be the writer, uh, reportedly, uh, for Star Wars Rogue Squadron. This was broken by the Hollywood Reporter. Uh, He's known for writing, oddly enough, Dora and the Lost City of Gold, which I did not watch. But uh, Greg Demarco, I do believe, has caught it. Ray, that, did you catch it? Dora
0: the Explorer, is that what we're talking about? The Expl- That's the live oh. action one. You know they did the live Ray. action movie. I'm
1: trying to forget yes. the animated ones, Ray. Oh my God, my my children, my my daughter grew up on that. Same map, same map. Backpack, backpack. Anyway, go ahead, Ray. Hey, the backpack song is fire. Um I don't know if you were laying out anymore. My only question is... No, no. He,
2: also, he also wrote Love and Monsters, and he was a co-writer with Ricky Gervais in the 2009 movie, The Invention of Lying, which did not do well domestically. Uh, but I think that has more to do with Ricky Gervais and American audiences than it really does. The, the skill, of the writing, People people tend not to dig him so much. But... Yeah, I you know I know I know enough about the in- invention of lying, and it was a witty script. It was pretty darn good. I enjoyed it. I uh, haven't seen Love and Monsters yet, though. I want to. Uh, I just made the assumption, given the target audience, that you may have seen Dora and the Lost City of Gold. Ray, I don't know if you. We ever should know. have.
1: We never did, and I don't know why we didn't. Yeah. But I mean, again, I own every streaming service known to man, so I'm going to watch watch eventually.
4: Ray seems a lot madder about it than his daughters might actually be.
1: Hmm. No, I so I was disappointed when they made it live action because that's not something that should have been live action. But uh, I'm surprised Swallow's they fish haven't
2: watched it. Out of water movies too, right? what? what? Well, those fish out of water movies, a la the yeah. Brady Bunch movies, where yes. like Dora is in high school amongst all these like normal teenagers, and Dora is out of place because she grew up in the jungle with her archaeologist parents or something like that.
1: This so is going to sound funny.
2: Boot,
4: so it's a bootleg Doogie Hauser. Basically, I'll like Candyman's a bootleg. Stop.
0: stop. Do- Dora will never be anywhere near as cool as Doogie Hauser. So just stop it
1: right there, Tony.
4: Dude, Wanda. On- yeah, Wanda. On-
1: <laughs> it is almost similar to Mean Girls in that how Katie came from the jungle and got thrown into like society. But they end up going back to the jungle. Uh, but we're not here to talk about that. My question about Rogue Squadron, Rogue Squadron is Will Paul Dameron be in this movie?
2: I don't think so. Because I'm not sure where. I'm sitting there. I'm trying to look. It was described that when the, the time, film was
0: announced. What's the timeline they're looking at? They've
2: never, they've never really said.
0: Um, they said the this f- supposed to be a new story, a brand hold up, new story.
2: Let me story. answer your fucking questions. Let me answer your questions. Jesus
0: swiper no swiping from
2: the article that i shared with you all back when jenkins film was announced it was described as quote introducing a new generation of starfighter pilots as they earn their wings and risk their lives in a boundary pushing high-speed thrill ride and move the saga into the future era of the galaxy Jenkins later confirmed that despite its sharing a title with a popular N64 game, the film will have an original story that draws from the games, books, and more. So it doesn't
0: really stay. Yeah, that's ambiguous enough to be cool. Um, I I don't know where... (laughs) It's going to be a really good... Because Rogue Squadron, I mean, anything, whether you've read the books, whether you've played the games... Anything Rogue Squadron related is awesome. People love X-Wings. I mean, how, P- how charged do people get from the appearance of X-Wings a few places in Mandalorian, and of course at the end, where it made a big difference, but sign me up. Take my money right now. 2023
1: can't come fast enough. Speaking of video games, what, give me Star Fox. That's one oh, i like to see. There okay. you go. Only if that
0: fucking frog dies.
1: Fair. I hate the damn frog. I'm with you.
2: you he always
0: gets. Baby Yoda yeah. could eat the frog. I mean, Gro- Grogu could <laughs> eat the frog. You know, there you go. That's a big ass Bro- frog. Spell Dave.
2: Crossover. Okay. I have a lot of faith in Patty Jenkins
0: as a director. Um,
2: no, I do think that Wonder Woman 1984 is too damn long. Uh, I still think she's made two very fine, high quality movies. Let's move into one of my favorite stories as a movie that I keep desperately waiting to come out. Keeps not coming out. Hashtag 2027 Warner brothers does another release date shakeup and Dune, which was originally supposed to be released around October 1st has now been moved to October 23rd. All right. I'm sorry. It was originally scheduled for November 11th, 2020, Then got moved to December 18th. Then, because of the pandemic, got moved to 2021 in October. And now we're still, I think, I thought I saw a date that said it was October 22nd. That looks like where we are now. Um, This movie is supposed to be epic. It's huge. I shared a trailer with you guys forever ago. Will we see this movie?
0: Yes.
1: October 22nd.
2: Is October twenty second when we will see this movie?
1: I, I think so. They've promised it. It's it's on all the advertisements for this movie coming out this year um, on HBO. Because you know, at the end of the year, it's not going to be no more the same day on HBO. So, like, they got to get it out before the year's over. I,
2: wa- I watched in the Heights when I could, just so I didn't lose it.
1: Damn right.
0: Yeah, I think it's Is it good. It's
1: yes, fantastic. It I gotta I gotta check
4: that out. It's on my list.
0: Anybody using the pandemic as an excuse anymore to not get your content out, uh, you're asking for trouble. So I don't think they want to do that for a variety this of reasons.
2: Is less, this is less about that part of it than it was. Remember, this is the director that was in a real tussle with HBO over the release of this film on HBO Max. He bought it and Lionsgate backed him. Um, and eventually they came to some sort of compromise Um and and on some level, I kind of agree with it. Like this looks like a movie that you should go watch on an IMAX screen. To be blunt, but you're going to have that well, option. So I mean, it's all right. True, but I can also just see it at my house on the service I already pay for. As as Tony has pointed out, it's very tempting.
1: Sure, but there are some movies that even uh, the recluse like me that would watch every movie on TV would want to say I need to go see it Except in the movie. Super Flash Gordon. Can't get you to watch that damn 40 baby. times, baby. 40, 40 f- times, baby. Look, shout out to Steve, Steve Shout out to Steve and McMichael taking that tombstone from Flash Gordon. I, it's amazing. Sam but,
0: Jones. Hope.
1: Yeah, same shit. <laughs> <laughs> um,
0: um, you know, the, int- I, we the talked, interesting but we, oh, ahead, I'm sorry. We talked about it last week, uh, me and Tunny and Platt, about whether Black Widow would be the movie to convince you to go back to the theaters. It, it just seems like there's so much nostalgia with the just going back to the movies thing that maybe that drives some people back. I don't know.
4: you know what movie, you know what movie off the top of my head I could think of if it's in 3d, that would get me to go back to the movie theater would be the Ryan Reynolds one where all the free guy guy. like, like, yeah, everything is normal. And then they're like, when you see this blip, you put on your glasses and then the rest of it, anytime he goes into that world, that shit that would be a perfect like i've been such the 3d guy that's basically what's gotten me to the movies star wars marvel etc so
1: but I, i've been twice since in the past few months i saw spiral the so saw movie in theaters and then i just saw fast yes. nine this weekend so yes. I, I felt comfortable nice and, segue, the, and they're not crazy nice segue ray real no, quick real there. quick pat real quick patrick yep. it, it's in that article, did you not notice it was interesting that I believe MGM is fighting itself with the Adams Family and Transylvania Four or the Trans- or whatever it for movie? They're fighting with the same. Day.
2: Yeah, I mean, it can't be the snake that eats its own tail, right? Like, it's such a entertainment is such a, a fascinating little thing. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, Black Widow is going to be the movie that brings me back to the movie theater. Uh, I've already talked about that. I've been pretty open about that. I know Tony disagrees. Dune is probably one that I'll have to go see on my own, but that I want to see because I've dug the, the story and it is a sprawling, epic series of books. And if you've got time on your hands, it's, it's very engaging. Game of Thrones level shit. Uh, if, if you want to get to it. So, lots of intrigue it's a very it's very much a a a movie of politically political intrigue and betrayal so totally worth the time all right ray you mentioned it you've been to see it this movies that may be bringing people out fast nine f9 may have been a big step in doing it as according to reports uh, and you know we'll have a better idea by the time this podcast drops just how much it earns. But they're estimating a pandemic-era domestic box office record. Oh God! the way we're going to
4: break shit down.
2: That's the way that Variety is breaking I'm shit fucking,
4: down. I'm fucking out. 68
2: million dollar debut for the latest installment. Well, you're scoffing, but not every theater is bringing back full capacity. I think it's actually. Why are we like, oh, we're going to, this is how we're going to promote
4: our movie because we, oh, we set a pandemic record. Like, fucking shut that's, up. Not, Just say people word. came, let us fucking use our own better judgment. If people don't get it, then they can fuck off. Like, I don't even want to start with this crap, classifying shit as fucking, oh, well, since the pandemic. Like, shut the fuck up, dude. Just shut the fuck up.
1: All right. That damn shut cloud. The fuck up. That and, damn
4: cloud. And,
2: and Come on fucking, now. Gentlemen,
4: I'm the What do, do, do I look like a who, fucking cat jumping all wimbly nimbly from
2: tree to tree? Christ. Anyway, so Ray, you went and saw this movie. Did it earn its $68 million? Goddamn right.
1: Goddamn right. Hell to the yes. Fucking it pandemic is.
4: record,
2: Ray.
1: Hey, Pat, look, if this bitch would have came out outside of pandemic, it would have had. Like would broke records, well, it's
2: just just honest question for you. Were there any restrictions on seating at your theater?
1: I don't know if there were any restrictions that they said. I know when, yes, so technically, yes, when you buy tickets, you can't buy them, uh, you can't buy them next to another group, right? So when you so no adjacent seats, no yes, but also everybody wasn't out now, it was a lot more people than I expected, but the theater was not full. Mm -hmm. So, you know, um, and also majority of people weren't wearing masks. Of course, me and my daughter were this, that, and the other. Um, But I was surprised to see as many people that were there. It didn't take me aback that there was that many people. Um, Yes. I know you guys aren't into the movies. That's fine. Everybody has their own thing. It is. is, Wait, I liked the first six, and then it just got, okay, enough. But go ahead. No. But that's the that's the I'll thing about it. himself. You're absolutely right. It is the most asinine, fantastical, unbelievable shit in the world. But it fucking works. At one point in the movie, Tyrese kills 14 people. He's in the pit, and I, he's in the pit, and they're all shooting at him, and he doesn't get shot once. That's part of the joke of the movie is that so we're he's, invincible. He's we're Rambo. You're, is what you're Basically. saying? Basically, he's Rambo. It's okay. ridiculous. They go but, to space in a rocket car. It's ridiculous. <laughs> the same, but it's fan. It Dog. And, and I gotta I gotta shout to I gotta shout the homie Big Match John Cena. John Cena is a star. We knew that as wrestling fans. But he has a magnetism about him on screen that he just lights up a screen whenever he's on it. We knew that about him, yeah, exactly. Like, we knew that about him in a comedic standpoint because we know he's fantastic at, at, at comedy, he has great comedic timing. But in a serious role, he always used to kind of take himself too seriously. He's lost that. He killed it. He's in scenes with Charlie Sterling, and Charlie Sterling has said, "Yeah, he 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 had to help me with my with the line I forgot."
4: Oh, I bet he helped her out. Great. <laughs> right, let me ask you. a question. Let me ask you a question. This whole F9 series is really, if you if you break it down, the storyline is really a lot about family, right? That's the whole overarching over, over, thing of the movie. So the why history. does it take nine fucking installments for us to figure out that Vin Diesel has a goddamn
1: brother? I'm glad you brought that up. Can I explain that? No, do, I, don't I don't want to. you being rhetorical. Okay, you mean, you friendly, want to be rhetorical. Friendly reminder I'm I'm that
2: I'm
1: kidding. I'm kidding. No, that's 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 actually the whole point of the movie and the whole point. They want people to explain this because the past two movies have attacked... To Dominic Toretto's ideology of family, right? Because the ideology of family has always been it's every... I made my own family. The people who I care about are my family. You don't have to have my last name, right? So when you watch this movie and you see what happened to his brother and why they split and why they separated and why nobody knows about it, then when you think about the Toretto family as it is, Tyrese and Ludacris and so on and so forth, they're looking at him like, how do you let this shit happen and not tell nobody? So it's really, it's, it's really, I think, clever in the sense of how they wait. And then it's not lost on them that the first movie where his son is the integral part of the movie, because I don't know if you know, spoiler alert, at the end of the movie, he had a son, the last one. His son is a big part of this movie. They talk about his dad a lot in his move, this movie and how it happened, and then his brother. These all happened, and, and they became they, they, the confluence came together for a purpose. So there's a reason, and it would have it would have killed the entire apex of the entire storyline had he you known about him from the very beginning. There's a very very clear and interesting reason why he's never brought up before this. And they so put why. cars in space, so oh, not uh, cars, not-, not cars, one car. Oh, so I so- have so- seen- I have a, to Tokyo Drift. I have a question Great for skates.
0: you guys before Patrick gets to his question. My question to you guys: What's the greatest line that John Cena has ever said in a movie? He hasn't oh, said it yet because
1: I haven't watched Suicide Squad. No, this when is... he when he when he the the no the beer.
0: I will enter you.
1: There you go. That's butt salt water all the time.
0: That's not John Cena, but good enough. Pretty wait. close. Andrew Balaz equals John Cena. No. Not in any fucking parallel universe everywhere. Anywhere. All right. Right. And on that note.
2: Is mayonnaise
3: an instrument?
2: Want to go jelly fishing? What am I supposed to do all day while you're at school?
3: Can I use your bathroom? Who's your friend? What does claustrophobic mean? <laughs> you know what the problem is? <laughs>
2: I just needed to play that sound bite to just get pat. Like, I got a taste in my mouth after. No, I'm, just, I'm kidding. So we, uh, we talked about one show earlier today. We talked about This Is Pop. And guys, I'm telling you, we're going to be doing a music episode sooner rather than later, I think. As it just has really been on my mind ever since we started a couple of the conversations in the chat. And I don't know if it's just what I've been viewing lately, but a lot of stuff has been popping up. Um, within the streaming services that has been a, about music and this is pop is one of them a series that i'm looking forward to checking out and in my never-ending quest to get you guys to check out stuff on apple plus i came across a series today uh that i started called 1971 the year that changed music and it's an eight episode hold on dave because you're already making a face you have already shit on this series well what it does is it covers this this year where some very significant transformative pieces of music came out. Imagine was written in 1971. What's going on by Marvin Gaye was written in 1971. Um, Won't get fooled again by the Who, written in 1971. Carol King released uh, her debut album, um, and I'm forgetting the name of it. Uh, that or uh, i'm going i'm going to lose it but it's it's the year the beatles broke up like it's the year that protest in america was as strong as it ever was protesting the vietnam war protesting economic disparity and music was just this like there was an explosion of motivate like politically motivated music sound changed uh and it all comes in the wake of uh, of this this decade in the '60s, where it was a little bit more idyllic, uh, and I've only watched one episode so far, but it was really really interesting. The second episode that I'm getting ready to watch is about the influence of drugs and on um, what it did to Sly um uh, Sly Stone from Sly and the Family Stone and uh, John Morrison and the Doors. Um, it it's, it looks amazing. It's it's an eight episode series. Uh, I'm going to be probably talking more about it in, in the next few days as I watch more of this. But what it got me to thinking, what, what it led to led me to in this question is, if you could pick any era of music, and, and I guess the easiest way to do this would maybe be to split it into decades, you can only have one decade of music to listen to. What decade are you going with? And for me, it is, it's, and I'm biased, for me, it's the 1970s it's it's queen it's miles davis doing bitches brew it's all this stuff that we you know i just talked about the who at the height of their power zeppelin at the height of their power um i i'm not even gonna lie i like disco um i think that it's it's an unfairly maligned form of music and we don't have popular music without disco um much in the same way it, that
4: the talking. Barry Gibb talk show talking it up on the Barry gift talk show.
2: See, Tony gets it. Um, so yeah, so for me, it's the seventies, uh, mostly because of Queen, but there's a lot of other great stuff that that comes out of that decade, and, and that I have a lot of affinity toward. Both, all three of you look like you're you're stuck here. So why don't I pick on? PC2? Well, yeah, talk? we're good.
4: Yeah,
0: I got I got mine. No, no, I got mine.
2: I
4: don't think we're stuck. Um if I w- I would I would say 69 was a big mover and shaker in years that kind of uh changed the course of music history considering Woodstock happened that summer but if I had to pick one decade only to listen to it would be the 90s and it was sure. my, the year I was the years I was coming of age I was in high school like I was becoming and and the the, the sound from the heavy metal side and the grunge side and the alternative music side is fucking phenomenal and then add in uh, the hip-hop and, and the rap side of things it's just it's such a great time i mean i'm a huge fan of zeppelin and pink floyd and like paul simon and 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 um uh werewolves of london what's the guy's name Zevon. Warren Zevon um, and guys of that nature right like a lot of 80s rock too but i still get a lot of those people in into the 90s um so that's that's where I would live at. That's a great question, Patrick.
1: Dave, hey, you... Uh, well, let me go, because I got the same answer, and I want Dave to finish, because he had this different answer. But yes, it'd be the 90s for me, and I, of course, clearly, that we picked the 90s, because that's when we kind of grew up. But you have, you start with grunge, you go into 90s R&B, which is, my God, fantastic. You go into the, the kind of the growth nationally. East of Coast, West Coast. East Coast, West Coast. Um, but it's bigger than just that, but that, and then you end with the beginning of teen pop In sync, Britney Spears, NSYNC, Backstreet Boys, Christina Aguilera, Britney. Yeah, man. So it's, it's, it's like, and then you start off at the very beginning, you get the tail end of the the new generation of hip hop with guys like Nelly and Eminem and, and DMX and these people. It, that's just a, a great genre. All together, well, your decade all together of all genres. So,
4: thank you. AK break your
1: heart was in that decade. Shout out to Billy Ray Cyrus. Fuck. Can I <laughs> we'll never hear that again? Shout yeah, Billy Ray no shout out to Billy. Um, Brooks, everything, my roots, everything
0: Pat my that you said about the 70s, I, I agree with 100%. For me, it's the 80s. Um, I grew up in the 80s. I was a teenager, I was playing in bands in the 80s, and the 80s saw the advent of of bands like Metallica. A lot of the thrash metal bands like Suicidal Tendencies became really big then. You've got uh, just a, a lot of different bands, a lot of different Thrill- genres starting. You
3: Guns and Roses.
0: Yeah, you got Guns Michael jo- Yeah, Guns and Roses. Yeah, you Thriller come out. And a lot of the bands you talked about in the 70s, the Pink Floyds, the Who, the Stones, they're all still active and putting out Kiss, putting out great music in the 80s as well. Kiss gets unmasked and puts out and rejuvenates their career and proves to everybody, hey, we're not just guys in makeup. We can actually play some. Uh, so for me, yeah, the hair metal days, poi- I mean, all those bands who just get such a shitty reputation, who in my opinion are far more talented than they've ever gotten credit for. Uh, that's just what I grew up with. I That to me was the best. If I just had one decade, I mean, most of the stuff I listened to is 80s stuff. You know, give me Hair Nation on Sirius XM. I can stay there all day.
2: Um. So the album yeah, I was yes. trying to remember by Carol King, by the way, is Tapestry. Um. Uh, was Was the album she put out in 1971 that was huge? Uh, yeah. Here's a here's what's really funny with me as a kid growing up. My parents and my music. I was really I didn't really listen to popular music as a kid. I listened to what my parents listened to and so i like i wasn't up with my peers like i was listening to the oldie station the hits of the 60s 70s uh and, and all the time and so that's really and that's where my passion for queen uh comes from and then the who neil diamond uh you, you, another one you, of my probably
4: a, of you probably have a you have big a, respect for motown
2: i fucking love motown the Temptations, by the way, it, it, like the history of Motown in general, uh, from its roots and where it started to becoming one of the most light, like they had so many great artists that went from, be, you talk about boys, boy bands, The Temptations, could yep. be argued to be a boy band for a long time. And then they put out Papa was a rolling stone. And then they put out ball of confusion. And, you know, as artists, they, they just were so in touch, but, and it all starts with Marvin Gaye though. Marvin Gaye kind of took this, everything to this whole other level with what's going on. And Otis Redding, Otis Redding. Yeah. it, It doesn't end the Jackson five, um, Diana Ross and the Supremes. Um, oh it's nuts then you got aretha who you know is just the queen of, of everything and, and you know my favorite song by queen is somebody to love which was freddie's love letter to aretha franklin like that's all of it so yes um the 70s are, are my jam it, it's what i was to. Uh, and you know, and I still, I do listen to, to current music, but when I'm looking for a go-to in a decade, seventies on seven, Dave, to take your satellite radio numbers. Um, uh, I think that's going to do it for this week's edition of bandwagon nerds. Ray, welcome back. It's great. It was great to have you back on the bandwagon. Uh, you, you certainly aren't an amateur rookie amateur, uh, in my, in my
0: What's that? I was gonna say you play, done play. good. You done good, rookie. You done good. Uh, that's right.
2: I played like so, a rookie. So why don't you kick everybody off on the once around and tell everybody how they can keep track of you out there in the social media?
1: Um. Okay. This has been so long since I've done this. See, um, now
2: that's can... a rookie mistake. You have now pushed <laughs> yourself back down to amateur.
1: You can find me at it's Ray Cash R E Ys Mysterio C A S H as in dollars. I have changed my official account from Fern Gully Forever to Fast 9, the fastest. So how at let you boy there. Either or.
0: Excellent. David Ongar. You can find me on Twitter at Rookies Rule. you can Let's also go. <laughs> Now you can find me on Twitter at Attitude Ag. That is at Attitude AGG. And on Facebook.com slash Attitude of Aggression. I got to cancel my Fern Gully membership. Fuck.
1: I bet you can. Your your burner account, I'm guessing, is punch Joe Girardi in the mouth
4: 25.
1: (laughs)
0: Hashtag Scherzer Strip
1: Down.
4: There you go. Joe Girardi to the max.
0: All right. Tony.
4: You can find me at PC Tony, Facebook, Twitter. Please continue to listen to everything. Chairshot Radio Network. Search that on all your favorite streaming platforms. And you know, we got you sports, entertainment, and sports entertainment. The Chairshot.com. Always use your head
2: and you can find me on the twitter at wrestling realist that is at w-r-e-s-t-l-n-g-r-e-a-l-i-s-t you can hear me twice on mondays every monday morning with david ungar doing chair shot radio talking hockey every afternoon with this cast of characters on bandwagon nerds and then you can hear me one more time on wednesdays with craig demarco and miranda morales on the babyface heel podcast also be sure to follow the bandwagon nerds twitter account at bandwagon nerds and follow the chair shot media group at chair shot media on the twitter as well always use your head that's going to do it for this week's edition of bandwagon nerds now get yourself out of the basement Get some sun and listen to some tunes because I got a feeling we got to have some music episodes coming in the bandwagon and you should get yourself in the right frame of mind. You've been listening to Bandwagon Nerds on the Chairshot Radio Network, a part of thechairshot.com.